Khadija, what's going on? Even my guy Danny dressed up this morning. <laughs> it's so good to see you all. So glad you're here. Uh, I know there's a few new faces. Don, what's going on? Good to see you, my friend. Um, a lot of new faces, which is great. I'm so glad you're here. I met a very, very, very lovely lady this morning. Is Valerie, is it? Miss Valerie. Can I tell you what? I am just so grateful for the kind of church where Ms. Valerie was coming to another church this morning. Because in this building, there are, I think there's like three other churches meeting on the bottom level. But Ms. Valerie met our team and thought, my God, I want to go where they are because they're friendly. I feel like I already belong. So that's a huge shout out to you guys, our church community. I've always wanted that. She blessed me when she said, I felt like I immediately belonged. And that, for me, is everything. And so, thank you. We're done. We can call it a day. <laughs> um, good to see you guys. I've heard a lot of good things about you. Uh, a lot of great things about you. Um, well, not, not entirely all good. There's some, you know, no, I'm kidding. Uh, can't wait to hang out with you a uh, bit after the service. But so, so grateful for this community. So grateful that you would join us on Easter Sunday. And what a treat it is to have a worshiping church. You know, there's, there's two things we really wanted to be and to have as a community of believers. We wanted to have a church that knew how to pray. And I'm so grateful that there are people in this room who know how to pray. Because let me tell you something. The fact that things are functioning this morning is a fruit of your prayers. The fact that we are still standing is a result of your prayers. The fact that people every week so far have made a decision to follow Jesus and give their lives to Him is a result and the fruit of your prayers. We are not that good. We know it. We'll own it right here. We're not that good. And so it's your prayers that allow this church to continue moving forward because the truth is it's your prayers and the power of God that allow the church of God to endure and the, hell, the gates of hell to not endure against it. And um, the other thing, I wanted a worshiping church. Hearing you sing this morning, I said, my God, this is everything I've dreamt of. And so thank you for loving the Lord so passionately and so faithfully in Jesus' name. Well, are you ready for the word this morning? Because I'm ready to preach it. I'm not entirely sure what's going to come out of me today. Um, you know, when you've got so much to say, so many things going through your mind, because you sit there thinking through, okay, Resurrection Sunday, what do you preach? There is so much in the Bible about the, the byproduct, the fruit, the impact of Resurrection Sunday on the life of a believer. I thought about, do I preach the stone that was rolled away? My God, that could preach. The stone that was rolled away. I thought about maybe perhaps do I preach about the empty tomb. That'll preach right there. The empty tomb. Because when you think about what that means, the empty tomb. My God, yours and my God. He got up out of that grave. He folded his grave clothes, rolled away the tomb and then walked out like it was nothing. I mean, I, I, I could go into so many things, but I thought, nah, that's not where I want to go this morning. I thought, do I preach the road to Emmaus? There's this great passage in Luke chapter, I think it's 20 something, 23, where he's walking, Jesus meets Cleopas and his friend as they're walking from Jerusalem back to their home on the road to Emmaus because they are despondent, they are discouraged. They feel like their hopes and dreams have been dashed because this guy who was the long awaited Messiah, they've just watched him be crucified. And they're walking, I'm going, now what? What do we do now? And I thought I could preach that because the truth is like so many of us. There are so many seasons of our lives where you kind of go, I was believing for that, 
God had said this. I've been praying for this. I've been waiting for this. And it looks like it's going to happen. And then in a single moment, it's stolen from you. Uh, Christina knows what I'm talking about out here with the business. She, she knows there are things you had in your heart. There are things you saw for Soul Good Cafe and you thought we're good to go and then something goes wrong. But I love that God's still faithful and you're still here and God's going to continue to use you and your family to continue to be a blessing to this community and beyond in Jesus' name. You stay the course because God is right there with you. What was cool about the story in the road to Emmaus is that they're walking and Jesus shows up after being resurrected. They don't recognize Him because again, they masked, He's masked, but also they're carrying so much disappointment and they begin to have this dialogue with Jesus going because Jesus goes why are you so downhearted why are you so discouraged why are you so heart broken and they go do you not know you must be the only person in all of Jerusalem who does not know that Jesus was crucified and it's funny to me that they would ask him who knows all things do you not know in fact it was them who did not know um but if I, don't, I don't want to preach that this morning I could tell you all the things I wanted to preach um in fact, I need to stop doing this because I've got a lot of things to say. Um, I thought about preaching the, about the dejected disciples on Silent Saturday as they again were crushed as they watched not just their Lord, but their best friend be crucified, be, beaten and whipped. And I watched and I could talk about how they, the disposition of the disciples changes on Sunday and they are emboldened because of the power of the resurrection. And that's what led me to land on what I wanted to preach on this morning. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. If you know it, you can say it with me. And now unto him who is able, my God, and now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work in within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now to him. That's the title this morning. If you're looking for one, Resurrection Sunday, we're going to talk around this idea. Now unto him. Why do I, why do I land here? Because this passage, I believe, encapsulates in its entirety the power of what took place on Resurrection Sunday. What took place in Resurrection Sunday, if you have your Bibles open, if you're on the Bible app, I want you to highlight this word. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask, think or imagine, according to his power, underline power, circle power, highlight it, power. If you're like my wife, draw circles around it, draw little hearts around it, put little stars around it. It is his power where? Because we read this, and I think we've got to this, under Him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine. But we forget this. It is according to His power. Where? At work within us. It speaks to the passage that says this, the same power, my God, the same power that raised Him from the dead lives where? It lives in you. It lives in me now unto him who is able to do. He's able to do measurably more than God can imagine according to his power at work within us. This is the impact of the resurrection on the life of the believer. The cross, in fact, I, on Friday, I don't know who watched the Good Friday message that I uh, put together. In fact, go back and watch that. I think, I think it was a decent message. I think it was okay. Yeah, was it all right? Go back and watch that. I preached a message on Good Friday. The benefit of this is that Good Friday, I like preaching Good Friday, but nowhere near as much as I like preaching Resurrection Sunday. Because Good Friday is a little, there's a measure, there's a measure of conflict to Good Friday. There's a measure of heartache to Good Friday because 
it is, and I talked about this on Friday night, it, it, is, the, the, it is the collateral beauty of the gospel. That's what Good Friday talks about. It, it is this paradox, it is this juxtaposition where we're, where, we're, where we're thrilled at what God is doing and has done to the cross, but our hearts ache because it cost Him His life. And the, the, what happens at the, at, at the cross, God the Father laid upon the Son the full weight of our sin in a great exchange that broke the power of sin over us. That's the good news about Good Friday. But here's what I like about Resurrection Sunday. That's why I couldn't wait to preach this morning. Because on, on, on Resurrection Sunday, there is no conflict. On Resurrection Sunday, there is no paradox. There is no juxtaposition. In fact, in its entirety, Resurrection Sunday is and truly a celebration. It is a celebration because there is no casualty. There are no casualties on Resurrection Sunday. There are no corpses but death itself. In fact, I wrote this this morning. At the resurrection, the Son laid the full weight of His glory on the grave and death has lost its sting. That's the beauty of Resurrection Sunday. We can celebrate unencumbered. We can celebrate unfiltered because death has lost its sting. The only thing to lose its power, the only thing to lose its sting, the only thing to lose its life is death itself. And now what it means for us is that in full view, in full view, hello, First Lady. Well, hello, good morning. Um, in full view of the death, She's one of my best people, so I can do that to her. I would never do that to any one of you. <laughs> so here's what it means for us, that as we gaze upon the story of Easter, in full view of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, here's what it means for us. We now who have put our trust in Him, we have become prisoners of hope. Here's what it means. You can live your life with this kind of disposition, that you can say things like this, that I am not done yet. There is more for me than what I see in front of me. This, here's my favorite, this is not my end. In fact, you can say it like this a little bit of attitude. I'm not going down like that. I'm not going down that. You can say things like this because of the resurrection. The Bible says this, we are raised with him, which means the end of your physical life is not the end of your life. My God, I'm not going down like that. In fact, I, I wrote this this morning too. There's a lot of things I put together on paper this morning because I just, there's just so much. I got up early. I was in the word. I was just, I was feeling this word this morning, but I wrote this, this thing. It says, you can tell the devil. I wrote this to somebody here. You can go ahead and tell the devil, try somebody else. You got the wrong one. I'm spoken for because my God, he didn't just die for me. He rose again. He took the keys of life and he flung wide the gates of death and he walked all of his children home. And so I'm telling you this, I am part of that victorious parade. You are part of that victorious parade. So you can't have me devil. You can't take me. You can't have my children. You can't have my marriage. You can torment me. You can afflict me. You can, you can uh, form those weapons. But let me tell you this, though weeping may endure for a night, let me tell you something, joy comes in the morning. This is what the resurrection story can do for you and me. It gives you a confidence beyond this life. It gives you a confidence beyond your current tribulation. Has anybody had themselves a bad day? 
Has anybody ever had themselves a bad season? Has anybody had a time in your life where you feel like it's going from bad to worse and you can't seem to see the way out? You can't seem to find the light. You can't seem to find hope. But let me tell you something. Resurrection Sunday tells you this. You can become like those three Hebrew boys who walked into the fire and said this. We believe our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, death has not the final say because my God does and he is still worthy of praise. This is why I love Resurrection Sunday because unlike the rest of our world, there is nothing like grief that'll kill a man's soul. There is nothing like loss, but I am so grateful that those of us who live in accordance with Christ, that those of us who live and put our trust in Him, that when we go through loss, then when we grieve, we don't grieve without hope. We don't have loss without hope. We don't endure a trial without hope. Why? Because we know that even if this lands in death, that my life still continues in, in Him because I am risen with Christ. We have hope. I have never understood how people can go through the tragedies of this life without Jesus. Let me tell you something, we are not made special. We are not made unique because of who we are or how great and gifted we are at communicating or preaching or teaching or living or whatever it is that you do. Let me tell you something, the point of difference for us as believers because of Resurrection Sunday is the fact that our Lord rose again. And when He rose, He rose in power. So this is why we can sing a song like we sang this morning, that He has no rival, He has no equal, and that death has lost its sting because why? We now live in Him and we live victorious. We get to say to the devil, that you can do whatever it is you want to me. But here's the truth. Because of Resurrection Sunday, I know how the story ends. And we remain victorious. My God is powerful to save. My God is powerful to heal. My God is powerful to restore. My God is powerful to reconcile. My God is powerful enough to change your situation. We don't stop praying. We don't stop believing because why? The same power, He can do immeasurably more than we ask, think, or imagine because of His power working through us. So we can believe for change. We can believe for healing. We can believe for breakthrough. We can believe for the miraculous. But here's what we can believe for even over and above that is that even if He doesn't, He's still worthy of praise because my soul does not go down to the grave because the grave gates were flung wide open and Jesus has taken us home and it is this revelation that frames all of the New Testament writers you hear it it says this uh, number one because of the resurrection if I give you some points I don't know if they're gonna come on the screens um, maybe not but number one because of the resurrection of Jesus number one we are able to rejoice in the midst of persecution I'm gonna say it again because let me tell you what Jesus told us in this life you will have many trials. Let me tell you something. If you've ever heard it preached that come to Jesus and you won't have to struggle. Come to Jesus and your life will be perfect. Come to Jesus and you'll never experience any pain. Let me tell you something. You've been misled. Go get your money back. Go get your tithes back. Go knock on those churches and say, I want it back because I've been deceived. Because we know this. From the moment I gave my life to Christ, I have not not had to endure pain. I have not, not had to walk through some hard times. We can all testify to that. So it is a fallacy to believe that anything about the gospel is that it's going to abdicate you from walking through the tough trials that the rest of the world walks through. That's not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is this, is that it shall not overcome you. You will endure it and here, take heart. Why? You will endure many trials in this life. But what does he say? Take heart. Why? because I have overcome the world. He says, I have overcome. I have joy, I have hope, and I have an expectation for the future. Why? Because of the resurrection, I am able to rejoice even in the midst of persecution. 
Why? Here's, here's some scriptures for you. First Peter chapter 3, verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to have a suffering, to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Philippians 1, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, but to what? To die is gain. The authors of the New Testament can talk like this. They can rejoice in trial. They can actually see death as a gain. To live as Christ, I want to live. There's a lot of life I want to live. I want to have more sons. Give me more children. Irish twins on the way. I have more life to live. I want to I want to I want to keep preaching the gospel till I'm in my 80s and 90s. I want to keep singing people one for Christ. I want to have a football team of children. I want to do a whole lot of good things. So yes, I want to live. To live as Christ, I live as unto Christ. But hear me tell you this, even if my life were to end tomorrow, to die is gain because I go to be with my father. To die is not the final story. It is not the end. And so this is, they write like this because they have now eternity in mind. Why? Because of the resurrection. Let me continue on these next two are my favorites. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 14. I think these will come up on the screens. Paul writes this. Let me, let me, let me, before we even start, let me tell you this. He's writing this in prison. He is incarcerated as he writes this. He is in one of the worst spaces and stages of his life, yet he can still write this. Let's read it together. It says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may simply gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Watch this. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and in doing so, somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Watch this. Not that I have already obtained all this, already have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You don't talk like that. You don't preach like that unless you have an understanding that the resurrection gives us the ability to look beyond our temporary circumstances, to look beyond our current pain, to look beyond our current torment. He can talk like that because now, because we live by faith, because we live through the lens of the resurrection, I can look through what is happening now to that which I have in Christ Jesus. If that doesn't excite you, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 9. This right here might just be one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's what you are. We are jars of clay. What is, why does he use that language? Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered why we are jars of clay? Because this is temporary, my Lord. When you don't know Jesus and without the resurrection, then this is final. This is the end. But when you have an understanding of the resurrection and understand that we are raised with Christ from death, then you can use words like this. We have this treasure. What is it? The power of Christ and Christ himself in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Here's my favorite. We are hard pressed 
on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. I'm gonna read that again, because I believe it is for somebody, and I wish I had a witness to this. We are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. It is telling us that it's not that we won't go down. It's not that we won't experience trial. It's not that the seasons won't get dark. It's not that it doesn't get deep and confusing and complex at times. It's not that we don't have pain or fear. It is communicating that it's that we are not overcome by it. That's the power of the resurrection. You and I can live our lives knowing that though the weapons are formed against me, have you ever thought why they don't, why they don't come to pass? It's because of the power that lives within inside of you. It is because of Jesus, He rose again. So yes, you can form those weapons, but they shall not prosper. You can be, you can be in the middle of a valley, in the shadow of death, but you can endure because you know that it will not overcome. This is the power of the gospel. It is not that you won't suffer, because you will. Sorry, it's not great news, is it? But this is the good news. You will endure hard times, but you will endure, and you will not be overcome, because He is risen. I read these great commentaries. Let me read you this. It says this. This future hope that is provided in the gospels provides a present comfort. Suffering, pain, and death are in truth a reality of this world. But Scripture does not teach us that believers are exempt. We're not exempt from it. While we still grieve at the loss of loved ones and friends, the promise of resurrection ensures, my Lord, that we do not have to grieve as those who do not live in the hope of eternal life. I want to read that again because I think it's so pertinent for us. While we will still grieve at loss of loved ones and friends, the promise of resurrection ensures that we do not have to grieve as those who do not live in the hope of eternal life. There is indeed a huge difference between grieving with hope and grieving without hope. We know that what happens in this world is not the last and final word because God has promised us this in Revelations chapter 21 verse 4 that He will wipe away every tear. Hear me now. He will wipe away every tear. He will remove all death. He will remove all mourning crying and pain. It is an encouragement. Resurrection, it should be an encouragement to us as believers that our tribulations in this world are only momentary in the light of eternity. We don't have eternity without the resurrection. And this I will spend my life celebrating and praising God and singing and living on faith and living with joy because I know that this is but a momentary pain. Because I've said it again and I'll say it again. 
that the weeping may endure for a night. One day, in the morning. I'm preaching so good, the devil wants to cut my mic. Give me another one. Give me another one. Whichever one, just throw it at me. Because I'm not done preaching. I'm not done preaching. You can try your tactics, but they won't endure. My God. My God. There's always a solution. In Jesus' name. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says this. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, come, and I'll come to close here soon. I'm nowhere near finishing, but I want to respect your time. C.S. Lewis says this. For the, oh, this is so good. Is this not working either? This is good? Great. He says this. For the unbeliever, this, I want you to hear this. Pay attention, pay attention. For the unbeliever, this life alone is what gives them any chance at pleasure. And whatever happiness they find here and now is the only happiness they will ever know. But how different it is for the Christian. Because our joy and our happiness and our hope does not come only from this world. It comes through the lens of eternity because of the resurrection. And this is why, my friends, I say this often and now you'll know why. That if God did nothing else for you from this day forward, you still have a reason to praise Him. If God didn't come through for you again, if He did nothing else for you and your family from this day forward, you still have a reason to praise Him because of what we have through the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' name. So much I want to do, but if I start this section, I won't finish. What shall I do? I'm conflicted. I'll give you a little bit of it, and I'll continue on next week. Because of the resurrection, number one, we have an expectation and hope that we can endure. What did I say? What, did I, what was it? Number one, it was because of the resurrection, we're able to rejoice in the midst of persecution. And number two, because of the resurrection, I love this so much, we have a better covenant. We have a better covenant. Hebrews puts it like this. It says this. It says, um, the former regulation is set aside. The former regulation being the old covenant, being the law. God has set that aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. The law made nothing perfect. Thank God that Jesus is our one true hope. It says this, um, and because of this, a better hope is introduced by which we draw near now unto God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But Jesus, He became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. I'll tell you in a minute what this means for us. Let's continue reading. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of these priests, but since death, prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent and eternal priesthood. I'm going to get to this in a second, what this means. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him 
because he always lives. He always lives to intercede for you and me. I am grateful that I am not the priest in whom you put your trust. I am grateful that we no longer put our hope in, in, in man-made priests who are fallible, who are succumbed to the powers and the perils of sin. I am grateful that our hope is built on a priest who conquered death, on a priest who was a man who can empathize with your weaknesses, who can empathize with that which you've been tempted with, and he can empower you for those. But more than that, I'm grateful we have a priest who lives forever, who is forever from every moment, from your waking to your sleeping, to your going to work, to your enduring trial. In every waking moment, we have a forever priest who was forever working on your behalf. He is forever working for your good. He is forever interceding for you before the Father that you might live in righteousness, that you might live in freedom, that you might live in hope, that you might live in wholeness, that you might live in healing. We have a forever priest in Him who does not stop interceding for you. That is the better covenant that I don't have to wait to get to church on Sunday to meet with the fallible and weak and, and, and as equally nullified priest as you and me. I thank God that my Monday to Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I don't have to wait to intercede through the priest who is equally as flawed. I can go straight to Jesus because in every waking moment, in every season of your life, in every trial and tribulation, in every mountaintop and every valley, He is working for you. He is interceding for you to keep you righteous, to keep you whole, and to keep you from the fangs of death. Is anybody grateful for a priest who lives forever? And that is why I have said this many times, we are not the kind of church who's gonna point you to people on this platform. We are not the kind of church who are gonna gather you to my words, who are gonna gather you to my influence. This is why I refuse for you to call me pastor because there's only one pastor and his name is Jesus. There is only one priest. His name is not Lungs. His name is not Kristen. His name is Jesus. Because if you come to me, I'm flawed. And I've told our team this, me, I'm garbage. I'm a man like you. I need Jesus just as you need Jesus. There is no special anointing on my life to speak to God on your behalf. The same God who meets me in the morning on my knees in my own living room is the same God who meets you wherever you find yourself. We will never be the kind of church who point you to this pulpit. We will always be the kind of church who point you to Him because He is your forever and faithful priest. My God! And if ever I'm away and we get some foolish person to get in this pulpit who points you to their gifting, would you tell me? Because we'll expel them from the community. I take it seriously. Do you know that most of the New Testament letters written to the early church, Paul is spending time talking to them about who needs to get out of their community because there is no room in this church for false doctrine. There is no room in this church for wishy-washy, empty theology that will not build your life, that will not endure you, that will not allow you to endure the tough times and the tough seasons that may come, who will keep your marriages strong, who will keep your children healthy, who will keep your life on course. We do not have the room for that here. In fact, I have a philosophy here. There is no heroes in this church. There is only one, and His name is Jesus. And no, we never forget it. Hallelujah. My Lord, Mom, so I didn't even finish the passage. What are you doing, lungs? I just realized what I preach is what the scripture is going to say anyway. It's a good thing. It means the word is in me. You want a pastor and a preacher who's got the word in him. It says this. It continues on. Such a high priest. Gosh, this is so good. What time is it? I got I to gotta slow down. I have a watch. Okay, we're good. We're good. We'll be here for another hour or so. We're good? Nah, I'm teasing. Such a high priest 
He truly meets our needs. My God. Let me tell you something, Demetrius. Ain't nobody can meet your needs like the Lord can. Let me tell you something, Miss Valerie. You came to the right place this morning. I don't know what they're preaching downstairs. I hope it's a gospel. But here, but here today, you came to catch a word that will tell you this. There is no comfort like the comfort of my God. My Lord, my God. Hey, I love this church. We have a great church. You know why? Because we preach the word and we, pray, we praise God. He is a priest who truly meets our needs. We are committed to praying for you. We pray for you often. And we have an amazing team who help us put care packages together for when you go through tough times. We commit to coming alongside you and praying for you. We celebrate with you. We weep with you. We mourn with you. That's what the community of believers is meant to do. But may we never get to a point. I don't know what your name is, but this is for you. May you never get to a point where you stop crying out to God because no one can meet your needs like He can. And I think so for too long, we look to other people. We look to our spouse. We look to our family. We look to our parents. We look to our bank account. We look to the security of the economy. We look to our government. We look to everything else but Jesus. And there is no one else who can meet your needs like Him. Because He is holy. He is blameless. He is pure. He is set apart from sinners and He is exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for His own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for your sins and my sins once and for all when He offered Himself. For the law appoints as high priests men and all their weaknesses, but the oath, the new covenant which came after the law, appointed the Son, Jesus, who has been made perfect for ever that is our priest we have a better covenant the better covenant is this we no longer live under the heavy weight of the law we live under the empowering presence and the empowering power of God in us that leads us to righteousness that leads us to wholeness that leads us to life that leads us to salvation Kristen mentioned it earlier we named our church because of the resurrection. Sozo is what was accomplished through the resurrection. That we could live the rest of our lives in eternal hope, knowing that what was accomplished on the cross is that we were saved, we were healed, we were restored, we are reconciled, we are renewed, and we are made whole again. And the tension of this life is this. We live in the now and the not yet. In fact, I think it's in a, Lord, Lord, help my memory, help my memory. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or chapter 4, 1, 4 verse 12 or 12. I'm, I'm sorry, I, it's not, it wasn't my notes and I'm remembering it now as I'm talking. It. The Bible says this, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though now we see in part like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we shall see in full because of the resurrection. May I remind you that what we see now is not the full picture, Emily. That what we're walking through now is not the full story. That what you're seeing now is but a puzzling and small reflection of the fullness of what God has accomplished through the cross. And we will see the fullness of what God has done on that day when we see Him face to face. And it is why Paul says this, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because when I die, I gain the fullness of that which Christ accomplished through the cross 
and the resurrection. And if anybody believes that, could you say amen? amen. I'm going to get the team to come and join me. We're going to land this plane. In fact, we might land it early. We might land it early. Look at me. There's a lot I want to add here now. We'll do it next week, but I feel like what's been said needs to be said. We want to do communion this morning. In fact, I think on your chairs, there is a, take your time, guys. No worries at all. I didn't just rush to this message. <laughs> wave at me. Wave at me. If you don't have it, we'll get some um, team to have it to you. Thank you. We wanted to take a moment this morning to take communion together. Because communion is not just an act. We're taught often that it is an act of remembrance, which it is. It is to remember that Christ, Good Friday, He was broken for us. His body was broken and His blood was poured out for us. Taking communion is not just about remembrance, but it's also to give us again a reminder of the future hope we have in Christ. Every time we take communion, we remember this, that because His body was broken, and because his blood was poured out, and then he went on to defeat death, that you and I can live with an eternal hope. We should be the kind of people who are full of optimism. We should be the kind of people who are always the half glass full kind of people. We should always be the kind of people who live with a great expectation. Why? Because we are reminded as we take communion that what he did back then doesn't just have significance for my past to cover my sins, but it bears great significance on the power that lives in me to give me an eternal and, unfa and unfailing hope for the ages. In Jesus' name, amen. The team's going to lead us briefly. Then I'm going to come up and I'm going to share this together. But I want you to take a moment. We don't ever want to rush communion. It's not something we take lightly. Take a moment, consider your own life. Consider where you've been. Consider what the Lord rescued you from and begin to tell him thank you in your own words. Begin to honor him and tell him how grateful you are that he did not love his life so much as to shrink back from death. And as you consider what he has done for you, I pray you consider what your life looks like now. I'm mindful in a room like this, there are many of you who might be celebrating the great things that God has done in your life. But I'm also mindful in a room like this, there are people who are going through some pretty dark times. You sit here, hands raised, and you sing the songs, but you're on the verge of breaking down because you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. And I want to encourage you, as you consider where you are now, and you consider these words and what God has done for us, you would begin to find hope in these perilous times. You'd find encouragement in these dark, stormy days to know that the weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. And as long as I'm still breathing, God has not done with me yet. And even if he doesn't, deliver me from this great peril. To die is gain because death does not have the final word. But my God does. And there will be no more weeping. There will be no more tears. There will be no more heartbreak. And there will be no more death as we see him face to face. Because he is risen. Because he lives. I live.
Jesus name the Bible says this as Jesus was reclining with his disciples and in fact in many ways I feel like not even I feel this is scripture this is the word where two or more are gathered in his name there I am in their midst and in the same way that Jesus was reclining that day at the table with his disciples, he reclines here with us this morning. I know who needed to hear that, but I wanted to encourage you with that. That God is Emmanuel. And he is with you. As he reclined with them, he took some bread. In fact, you can open up that little wafer. Some of you already consumed it. Some of y'all couldn't wait. Khadijah out here said, I need either, either, she said, I need Jesus or I'm hungry. <laughs> Look at you making a holy moment sacrilegious. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We're not a serious church by any measure of the by any stretch of the imagination. We like to have fun because we serve a good God. <laughs> but he said this to them. Take some, and he took some bread and he blessed it. He broke it in pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying this, take this and eat it for this is my body broken for you. So let's take that together. He goes on to say this, he took a cup of wine and he thinks he gave thanks to God for it. Spoiler alert, it's not wine, though that would be nice. And uh, he gave thanks to God for it. Thank you. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from this, for this is my blood which confirms this great and better covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So let's drink together. I wonder if we just sing that chorus again. Just one more time. As we finish this, there's a line in there that says, this is for the many and the one. It's not just for a few. It's not just for the righteous elite. And I couldn't think of a better way for us to close out Resurrection Sunday than to give every person in the room the opportunity to open up your heart and surrender your life to Jesus. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make. And it's an encouragement to you that it's got very little to do with what you have done or can do in this moment, but it's got everything to do with Him, what He accomplished on the cross and what He continues to accomplish for us and in us and through us as a result of the resurrection. You don't have to do life alone. You no longer have to live and struggle through life without the eternal hope because he has made himself available for you. 
He wants to call you Lord. He wants you to call Him Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to set you free. He wants to make you whole. He wants to heal you. And He wants to set you free. And all that's required of you in this moment is to open up your heart and say, Lord, I recognize that I'm a broken, desolate sinner. And I repent. And repent is this word we've mystified over the years, but it's not complicated. It is a word that simply means this. I am turning from to turn to. That's all it is. I am making a decision to turn my heart from you and I'm turning my heart back to you. I'm done living life apart from you and I'm turning and I'm changing my mind and I live my life with you and in you. I am turning from my wicked ways. I am turning from my sinful nature. I am done doing life my own way, in my own rules, doing that which I want, whenever I want, however I want, with whoever I want. I recognize that I need you and that to truly live and to have this eternal hope that I've heard of this morning, it is a change of heart and a change of heart and mind turned toward Him because it's Him who saves you. It's Him who heals you. So this morning, if you've not made that decision before, and you wanted today to give your life to Jesus and allow Him to become your Lord and to do what He has promised He would do in Scripture in you and through you. I'm going to get you, everyone, to close their eyes just so there's no distractions. I don't want you looking at me because it's not about me and you. I don't want you looking at each other because it's not about the person next to you or even the person who brought you. This moment is between you and Him. It's between you and your priest forever. It's between you and the God who made you and the God who called you and the God who loves you and is for you. So if that's you this morning and you say, Lungs, I want to make that decision. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus and live life His way with an eternal hope. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to lift your hands. High enough, long enough, I'm going to see it so I know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. Lift your hands all across this place. Yeah, I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Yeah, I see you. God bless you. Yeah, I see you. God bless you. 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 This is amazing. This is amazing. This is amazing. You can put your hands down. Come on. Can we just thank the Lord real quick for what he's done? Many have just moved from death to life in this very moment. We're going to do this together. We're going to pray a very short but powerful prayer. The Bible says this. It is by believing in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and that He is who He says He is, and declaring with your mouth, and then you shall be saved. So let's right now, as a community of people, let's say this prayer together. Let's declare with our mouth, but particularly if you raise your hands. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I make this decision this morning to surrender every part of my life to You. Today is a new beginning. Because of You, Jesus, the power of sin is broken. I'm a child of God a new creation, a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy. Thank you for a new and better covenant. You are alive in me and I in you now and forevermore in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's congratulate people. Let's praise God for this great moment. 
Okay, here's one of my favorite parts. We've been able to do it. We've been able to afford Bibles. We can do it. <laughs> hey, nothing is free. Not even your salvation. We did it. We bought some Bibles because I wanted to make sure that our very first gift to you as a church for making this great decision was to give you the word of life. The Bible says this, it is by faith, by, the, by hearing the word that we get faith. Faith is how you are saved in Christ Jesus. Get into this word. Get to know the God you just said yes to. Know him. Because when you know him, you can live and operate in power through the knowledge of the word and not through the knowledge of being misled by the world. So get into the word and that's why we're passionate putting this in your hand. It'll stir your faith. It'll encourage you. It'll build you up, but allow you to know the God you've just said yes to in a great and glorious way. So you can pick these up on your way out. At the doors, we'll have team waving these around. You don't have to say anything to them. You don't have to wave at them. You don't have to high five them or hug them. You can literally just walk past, snatch it and go. But here's what I encourage you to do. First step, take it. Second step, tell somebody. Tell somebody what God has done in your life today for two reasons. Let it encourage them that if they don't know him yet, there is a God who died, not just for the one, but for the many. And he's calling them home. But two, let them know that you are held accountable to this great life you've now chosen to live. And number three, lastly, find yourself back in a local church. We are meeting back here again in this very room next week. If you already have a church you attend, I know some of you are visiting. If you already have a church you're a part of, get back in that house. If you've not been in church for a while and you go, ah, you know, I'm normally just a Christmas and Easter only kind of guy. Well, change that. Change that. Get in a church. It doesn't have to be this one. There are a lot of great churches around this great city and this great community we're in. Find one that works for you. If this isn't it, find one. I'll help you find one if need. But if you find out this is it, we'd love to have you back. But get yourself back in a local church in a, in a local community like this because our faith was never, be was never designed to be done alone. We are community people because our God is a God of community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you, people. We finished five minutes late. That's my apologies. Free coffee on us next week. I love you. Be blessed. Let me pray for you real quick. A blessing. Lift your hands toward heaven. Father, I thank you for this great community of people that you call your bride. This great church, Sosa City Church, made up of an amazing group of people. I pray, Lord, as we leave this place, you'd bless your people. You'd cause your face shine upon them. You'd give them peace. I pray that as we go, we grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We go in the love of God and we go in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen, amen, amen. We love you. We will see you next week. Happy Resurrection Sunday.